I'm, I'm aware that some of you might be meeting me for the first time or possibly the, the second time. Uh, one of the, the other roles that I do in the, the Federation is I'm one of the tutors on the, the training board. Before I was a tutor on the training board, I was a student, like, like James, and I'm looking around the room, I can see a few other students and, and tutors in the room. When you're a student, at one of your training weekends, you will be invited to lead worship. And you get told it's 15 minutes, no more. And that's normally because either the teaching needs to start, or if you're at the end of the day, it's because we all want to go to the pub. When I was a student, I was asked to lead worship. And so I thought I'd reflect on what I did for that first service as my first service as president. Before that service, I spent many hours lying on my bed in the Ibis in Nottingham, going over the words that I was going to say, making sure that I was going to tell everything in the right order because I knew that the director of studies and the tutors and all the fellow students were going to be sat there assessing every word and looking for the, the nuance. And then I realised that actually... When we stand up and we preach God's word, if it's the word that God wants us to preach, the spirit is with us. So we don't need to worry about those words. They are in God's hands. So I slept like a log last night. <laughs> I've been learning a lot this last year about representation. One of the things I always challenge my students when we, when we open the Bible is to try and see where they see themselves in that Bible story. Because every time you read something in the Bible, you'll find yourself getting a different perspective depending on who you associate with in that story. I noticed that the, uh, the, the children are going to be working through uh, the Good Samaritan with their, their colouring in and stuff. So just... just as an illustration, let's picture the story of the Good Samaritan. There are various characters in that story, aren't there? It wasn't until I was explaining to my students how we should identify with somebody in the story that I suddenly realised there was, there was a character in the story that I'd never even thought of as identifying with. I'd identified as the person being beaten up. I'd identified as... The priest who turned a blind eye and, and, and walked by on the other side of the road. But until I was challenged by one of our students from Eritrea, I had never pictured myself as the donkey. <laughs> so this morning's story that I'm going to invite you to try and picture yourself in, there are lots of non-people options that you might identify with. I'm not going to tell the story by myself. I'm going to ask for some volunteers to come and mime. You don't have to say anything, but you might need to come and, and sort of stand 
in this area listen to what I'm saying and, and respond. So I would like, I'd like a tall volunteer, a medium-sized volunteer, and a shorter volunteer. So depending on how you self-identify, <laughs> I'm not going to stand here and say, you're not tall enough or you're too short or whatever it may be. I'm going to turn this microphone on and I'm going to ask for three volunteers and they are just going to magically, by the power of the Spirit, appear in front of us. Fabulous, I can see two volunteers. The short one might be, well, I don't know, how are you self-identifying? You're... Yeah. A foot taller. <laughs> Fabulous. Right, so. Brilliant. We've got our three trees. So, once upon a... How, how, how are we for Zoom? Do we need to be in a little bit tighter? Come, are we okay? We're okay. So, there's a little camera just under the clock, so smile for all the people on Zoom. So once upon a time, there were three trees. And they stood on top of a hill. And the three trees were talking about what they wanted to be when they grew up. And the tallest tree said, when I grow up, I'd quite like to be a treasure chest. I'd like to have gold bands around me and sparkling rubies. I want to be carved ornately so that when people look at me, they think that I hold the greatest treasure in the world. And the other trees were really impressed with that. They said, that's a great ambition, <laughs> wanting to hold the greatest treasure in the world. The medium-sized tree said, when I grow up, I'd like to be a chair. But not just any chair, I want to be a throne. I want to have all those little fiddly bits on top and I want to have filigree inlay and flashing emeralds so that when people look at me, So that when people look at me, they feel that the only person that should be sitting on me is the most powerful king in the world. And the other trees were really impressed. They said, that's fantastic. And then the smallest tree said, well, when I grow up, I'd like to grow up and up and up. So that, wow, that's some good growing up. So that when people, <laughs> so that when people walk past the hill and they see me growing up so straight and tall, they will realize that I point the way to heaven. The other trees were stunned into silence. 
The years passed and the seasons came and went. And then one day to the foot of the hill came some woodcutters. Now you can all be woodcutters for me. And we're all going to take our axes and we're going to chop down that first tree. And we're going to take our axes and we're going to chop down the second tree. And we're going to take our axes and we're going to chop down the third tree. The first tree was dragged into town and brought to a carpenter's house, but there was no gold bands. There were no rubies. Instead, the first tree was turned into a box to hold animal feed. It's probably quite a difficult mime, not one you want to get at Christmas for charades, is it? The second tree was taken into a village, into a carpenter shop, but there was no filigree, there was no flashing emeralds. But the tree was turned into a chair. But it wasn't a fancy chair. It was a little bench that was nailed into the back of a fishing boat. And the third tree was dragged into the city. But when the carpenter started planing off the bark, they found that the third tree was warped and full of flaws and was actually good for nothing. So it was thrown in the corner and forgotten about. The years passed and the seasons came and went. And then one day in the town, there was a bit of a festival mood going on. Lots of people were gathering, a bit like Taunton yesterday with the assembly. Lots of strange people coming in and gathering and meeting old friends and making new acquaintances. And into the town there came a couple and she was heavily pregnant. And oh, this was before... TripAdvisor and Booking.com and they'd not planned ahead. They didn't have anywhere to stay. So they ended up staying. Where do you think? Can you see where this story's going? Yeah? In a back courtyard somewhere in a dingy district where the animals were eating out of that food trough that had been the first tree. And that night, the lady gave birth to a son and because there was nowhere else to put him they wrapped him in cloths and placed him in that food trough and as the animals looked on and as strangers came and gathered in that place the first tree realized that maybe he just was holding the most precious treasure in the world. Thank you, first tree. The years passed and the seasons came and went. And then one day, 
to that village where there was a lake on which bobbed a boat in which was nailed the bench that was the second tree. There came a large crowd, all following this one man. And he was nothing special. He was a bit scruffy around the edges, dusty feet, not the kind of person that you'd go out of your way to meet, surely. He was clearly trying to get away from these people, and he climbed into the boat, and he sat down on the bench that was the second tree. James is going to bring us a piece of scripture to tell us what happens next. Then Jesus got into the boat and started across the lake with his disciples. Suddenly, a fierce storm struck the lake with waves breaking into the boat. But Jesus was sleeping. The disciples went and woke him up, shouting, Lord, save us! We're going to drown! Jesus responded, Why are you afraid? You have so little faith. Then he got up and rebuked the wind and waves, and suddenly there was a great calm. The disciples were amazed. Who is this man? They asked. Even the winds and the waves obey him. And then Jesus sat back down on the bench. And the second tree realized that even though there was no silver filigree and no flashing emeralds, sitting upon her was the most powerful king in the world. Thank you, second tree. And the years passed and the seasons came and went. And our poor, forgotten third tree abandoned, declared as being fit for nothing, was dragged out from the wood store where they'd been kept. And slung across the back of a criminal who'd been sentenced to die for crimes that they decided were punishable by a horrible death. So the tree was dragged out of the city and up onto the hill. And as people gathered at the foot of the hill and witnessed the suffering and the sorrow and the sacrifice, the third tree realized that they did indeed point the way to heaven. Thank you. I've been telling that story for at least 15 years, probably even longer than that. Um, and, and one Christmas, um, my mother, purchaser of the T-shirts with slogans on, uh, went off-piste one year, and she didn't buy me a, a T-shirt. She bought me a book instead. 
because she knows that I, I like this story. So this is The Three Trees. And when you open this up, it acknowledges the fact that this is a traditional folk tale and has been retold in, uh, in many different versions over the years. It says that this story is ideal for sharing at Christmas or Easter. And we can picture that, can't we? We can put ourselves in the story at Christmas. We've lived the nativity. We understand the struggle of turning up somewhere and not knowing where you're going to sleep. I went to three different hotels on Friday because I thought we were at the Holiday Inn and we weren't. And, and then I thought we were at the Holiday Inn Express and we weren't. And it was like, no, we haven't got a reservation for you. And I finally found the right hotel. But we can identify with the Christmas story. And at Easter, do we, uh, we identify with the sorrow and the suffering of the third tree, of being wrongly accused of sacrifice. But what about all the amazing stuff that happens in the middle between those two trees? So this morning, let's just spend a minute being the middle tree. I'm an oldest child. My brother's two years my junior, and then my sister is, is three years the junior. My brother says that being the middle child is always the hardest, because you always get blamed for the stuff your older brother's done, and you always get blamed for when you pick on your little sister because of what your older brother's done to you. I was oblivious to, to, uh, to all of this. It's another privilege to add to my long list that I reeled off yesterday. I'm an oldest son. Being the middle of something, not being there at the beginning, not being there at the end, being there in the middle. Isn't that where we are now? We weren't there for the beginning of the story, but that story has been passed down to us. And we know how the story is going to end, don't we? But what about all the stuff that happens in the middle? That second tree wasn't expecting to meet Jesus that day. That second tree had an everyday job. I'm going to stretch the analogy a little bit there. In a fishing boat, going out, earning a wage, doing what we need to do to provide for our families and our friends. And then there's that unexpected encounter with Jesus in the middle of a nondescript day. What's that like for us? When was the last time we were, I was going to say shopping in Woolworths, I don't know where that reference has come from. <laughs> I'm showing my age, aren't I? When was the last time we were wandering down the high street and all of a sudden we found Jesus in an encounter with someone else? Maybe we're waiting for a bus and there's an unexpected moment when actually we go, Jesus was there with us in that moment.
do we pause and appreciate all those times that Jesus walks alongside us each and every day? Or are we too busy jumping from Christmas to Easter? Let's pause and enjoy being the middle tree.